welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm your host, Rich Pasqua, founder and CEO of ARC. Each week we unpack the Web3 revolution. Join us as we discover and explore the people, projects, and visionaries building the trusted web. Hello and welcome to Web3 Unpacked. This week we have one of our house favorites with us, Emily Landon. And joining her is Sarah Atsuki. Thank you so much. Great to see you guys. Hi, Rich. Hi, Matt. Hey, how is everything in crypto recruiting land, I guess? It's not terrible. It's not not amazing, but it's not terrible. Um, You know, we just recently started this initiative where we're recruiting for the next 30 days for free. This is our contribution to give back to the space. We had over 40,000 applications in 2022. So I have to believe some of them are going to be a fit for some companies. So we just had an influx of openings. Um, I've got about 15 more conversations this week with companies that are looking to hire so it's it's rocking and rolling mm, mm. and you know what just just to take a step back emily for some of our new listeners um you've been on before we know who you are but give us a little overview of the crypto recruiters and and uh you know we can dive into anything that you guys are up to now yeah, sure. So really exciting news. The crypto recruiters were just named the number one crypto recruiting agency in the U.S. So I'm really excited wow. about that. Um, we've helped over 200 people enter the space. We're a team of 11 and we're just really passionate about the growth of blockchain. So by helping companies hire, this is how we're helping it grow. Mm, mm. And how many, like, out of everyone you work with, I mean, you know, uh, we know you're obviously given by the name you're focused on Web3 and crypto, but uh, how many people do you get or maybe not get that are kind of 2.0 tech world, they want to kind of bleed into what you're doing? I would say about 50% of people want to get into Web3. About 50% are really passionate about it. And about 20% of those 50% are really knowledgeable about the space and ready to make the next step. Those 30%, they're really interested in Web3, but they're not sure how to enter. They're not sure where to start. So we're always suggesting doing things like certifications, right? Now, a certification, it's not going to get you the job, but it's going to differentiate your resume from all the other Web2 candidates. Mm. It gets very meta, right? Because you're like recruiting the recruiters now (laughs) for yourself. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a change, but I think our reputation precedes us. And, you know, we just have some of the nicest people on the team. And mm-hmm. I, I really mean that, like some of the nicest human beings, um, super accountable, honest, just like really great people to work with. So I'm blessed to have Sarah. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, we, we you know, Emily, we, we spoke uh, about kind of what sets you know, uh, human capital companies apart from each other. And a lot of times it's the little simple details, you know, a, you know, the co- communications back and forth and, you know, acknowledgement that you did get a message. You know, it's a tough time for people looking for jobs uh, and, and stressful. So those little details matter. And they also, you know, help to build your brand, which I think is coming along really nicely. So I would I would love to jump into sort of the the nitty gritty of it, right? We got a lot of people. Uh, it feels like every other day some huge layoff is taking place. Say you're one of those listeners right now, and and this question for both Emily and Sarah. Um, 
what should someone do? What, like, where do they even start? Because uh, you get blindsided. Is it st- you start in your resume? Do you start skill training? Do you reframe yourself? What, what are the first steps to take on if you're one of the layoffs? Take yeah. On? First thing you want to do is brush up your resume and your LinkedIn profile, right? So how recruiting works, and I think we've gone over this before, but it's all based off keywords. So on the back end of LinkedIn, I can type in some words and whoever has those words on their resume is going to pop up in a list. So it's really important that if you want to get into crypto, you're using keywords like crypto, blockchain, Web3, because recruiters are looking for those keywords on a profile. So making sure that everything is up to date, you've told your story, your your, um, your LinkedIn profile profile has a little bit of your personality in it so people get an idea of who you are. Um, I think a great way to do this is your profile video, right? You can have a little video on top of your profile and um, mine's a little funny. I like to keep it light over here, but um, really building out your online presence, right? And then the next step I would say is do your own research. So Mazari is by far one of my favorite places to find crypto funding by far. So what I would suggest is go on Mazari, look at different companies that just received funding, go onto their discord and say, Hey, this is what I do. Do you guys need any help? This is a great way to directly communicate with the company, really show exactly what you bring to the table and, and make yourself stand out. Otherwise you're just a resume that's, that's being sent in. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, we're hot on talking about discord in any capacity, but now you're opening up a, a kind of a new doorway where it's now being used as a tool to really do direct communications, uh, you know, brand, you know, your brand to their brand, you know? So I think that's really cool. Now, Emily, one one detail with like LinkedIn and refer- getting back into the, the swing of things, how important is it to be, you know, you see some LinkedIn people on LinkedIn and whether they're searching for a job or they're usually active in a job, they're prolific. They just have tons of content. How important is that for, uh, your audiences or, you know, potential people you're working with? Yeah. So it can be, and then it cannot be right. You don't need to be super active on LinkedIn to have a great profile and be recruited. You do need to be active on LinkedIn. If you really want to set yourself like as a, as an influencer, almost right. As a thought leader, um, by being active on LinkedIn, you're showing people that you understand the space. You know, you're showing your written skills, you're showing your verbal skills, um, your research skills. So I think being on active on LinkedIn is important. It's not critical. If you're just looking for a job, you're more than welcome to do that. But what I do think is critical is connecting with people. So if you have under 500 connections on LinkedIn, it's going to show that on your profile. It's going to say 200 200 connections. The challenge with that is people may not think you're on LinkedIn or utilizing your profile. So what's interesting is recruiters and hiring managers, we only get 100 connection requests a week to send out. So if I'm looking at two profiles, one of them has 500 plus connections, the other only has 200 connections, and I've got one connection left, Mm. who am I going to send that request to? You know what I mean? So by showing that you're well connected on LinkedIn, not only are more people going to reach out to you, but more people are going to think you have the network that you may need to be successful in the space. Yeah, it's the it's the network effect. And it's, you know, of course, of course. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we do a lot of marketing here for ourselves, for our sister brands, for our clients and whatnot. And, 
you know, we're seeing a lot of the dynamic around marketing, if you will, kind of changing, right? And it, before it was, hey, you know, be prolific on social media and all this stuff. Now it's all huge, huge, rich media and content, 100% content. It's smart content. And to your point, it's you don't have to have, you know, floods uh, of content, but smart, pointed, and the richer or video audio content you have, the better. Mm -hmm. I'm noticing that the algorithm on LinkedIn is more favoring written content for those that don't have a big following. Mm -hmm. um, but for those that have, you know, thousands of followers, I think throwing out a video is fun. It keeps it light, keeps it engaging. And it really gives people an just like a, a chance to see who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Engage your personality. Yeah. Are people doing video resumes at all? <laughs> is that like a thing? Like I, that's always like a joke thing, but is anyone actually doing it? You know, I haven't seen a video resume, but it's funny that you bring that up because that's actually something the crypto recruiters do. So very occasionally we will actually create a video resume for one of our candidates that doesn't look perfect on paper and then send it over to the hiring manager. So they get a good idea about who this person is before they spend 30 minutes interviewing. Mm. I think if you're gonna do a video resume, just make it a three minute introduction. Um, the faster you can do it or the more condensed you can do it, the better because attention spans are super short, but it's definitely a great way to differentiate yourself, but you got to do it well. Production quality needs to be there. Timeliness needs to be there. So I think it's a great idea. I think more people should do it, but I uh, haven't seen a lot of it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, so, you know, 2022, uh, guys, it was a wacky year, right? And we're heading into another wacky year, right? So one of the things we love to get from the crypto recruiters and Emily and her team is kind of like the, the hot trends, maybe exiting 2022 into entering 2023. What are you guys seeing kind of popping off discussions? What's going on? Yeah, great question. Um, so in my experience, you know, we're seeing a lot of trends regarding the type of positions that are being hired as well as the type of positions that are being laid off. So, you know, one of the reasons that I think we're going through all these layoffs is we did over hiring in COVID, not us, but companies, yeah. right? Like Amazon, nobody was going into retailers. So they really beefed up their teams to support the remote purchase surge, whatever you want to call it, right? And so now that that's not happening, they're laying people off. Um, I think other big companies believe we're going into a recession, so they're laying off to be smart. Um, but the positions that companies are always hiring for are going to be developers. Yeah always developers because they always need people to build products. Yeah. Um, we're noticing HR is being laid off. Marketing is being laid off. Product, a little bit in between, depends on your experience and how good you are. Um, so those are some of the trends when it comes to layoffs. But I think what's really interesting is companies that are doing layoffs, they're still hiring. They just may not be advertising that they're hiring, right? Because like, that doesn't make sense. You're doing a whole lot of layoffs, but you're also hiring for very key positions. In my opinion, it's probably best to take someone that you're laying off and promote them into the role, give them an opportunity to, to learn and to succeed rather than just going back to square one and hiring someone else. Um, so we're not seeing a whole lot of movement within companies. We're just seeing strict layoffs and strict hiring. Have you heard of, uh, the, the, the term quiet, quiet hiring? Quiet hiring, I've not. Quiet quitting, I absolutely have. Oh, no. Tell me I about quiet, quiet hiring. hiring the, the, the idea of quietly 
pushing your current staff to do more and more things, perhaps out of their comfort zone and or their their job description. Just funny. I thought you would you would you would definitely know about that, but um, I think it's I just bubbling up there. You heard about it too, I would Sarah. Love to share a little bit more about that. So, quiet hiring you're really seeing in larger organizations, right? But it's not advertising. So, such um, like Google, right? Um, the Metas. Um, Apple, they've always been hiring, but they, um, so they'll pick in-house talent and put them into these positions. So for instance, they all have their own Web3 um, area, right? That they're um, working on. So instead of laying off these, as they're selecting who they're laying off, they'll select talent that has potential or interest and then hire them within, right? So they'll get, they're, they're instead of promoting these Web3 jobs, um, they're hiring from within and that's what's happening. So that's why they call it quiet hiring. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's you know, it's odd to me though. Like, isn't that just kind of the way companies used to be in general? It seems like we're almost just, things kind of move full circle because you, you used to have people who stayed with one company. They'd be there for like 20 years <laughs> and they would kind of move up within the organization or laterally mm. or, but now it seems like the, 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 it's shifted, right? It's kind of rare to see someone more than several years at one place. I've noticed especially in crypto. I mean, the average turnover, not turnover, but the average tenure in crypto is eight months to 1.9 years. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's not including last time we spoke, Emily, it was multiple projects, right? The idea of, you know, it's an open world now. It's a little bit of more open source workplace, right? So now you can pick uh, two, three, multiple projects. And, and for hiring managers, that's a very good question to ask, right? Like how many projects are you on? Because people like to dip their toes into a lot of different things. Um, other than that, uh, Sarah, Emily, are you seeing a, a, a bigger shift to come back to offices? I know the, the crypto world is a little unique in that it's it truly is a global marketplace, if you will. Um, but are you seeing that a little bit more from employers? Um, that's a really great question, Sarah. Do you want to handle this one? Yeah, it's actually, uh, no, I don't see a shift in it at all. Actually, um, most will be, will continue to be remote is most of our clients are very flexible. Um, a lot of the engineering roles, right? They've been engineers for years and there is really no need aside from trying to build that camaraderie, camaraderie like coming into the office. But how these, how these companies are really trying to make up for that is, you know, setting up like team events throughout the year, right? Or maybe setting up quarterly meetings where everybody gets together. Um, so it's more of like a, a getting together as a team to just, you know, it's for fun versus having to come into the office every day or three to five times a day. Yeah. There are some companies that are requiring um, those to come in the office and we're noticing a big pushback from candidates. They're open to hybrid, but they really don't want to be traveling an hour and a half in traffic to go back to the office anymore. Um, most candidates are looking for remote opportunities, but I would say about 40 to 50% are open to hybrid. They do miss the office culture. And that's something that's really a pain point for remote opportunities is 
being alone, not really feeling motivated. So, you know, and that happens on our team, right? We're all across the world. Yeah. So what we do to combat that is, is we'll actually have um, accountability meetings. So we'll just hang out with each other on Zoom. Um, it makes it feel like there's someone there working with you and uh, makes it a little bit easier to not crawl back into bed when you have a uh, an opening on your calendar. Yeah, that's a great. <laughs> it is tempting because the bed is right there during yeah, the workday. Yeah, yeah. Ten feet away. Uh, sometimes yeah. the uh, the 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 bed is the office for some people. Who knows? Whatever. But you know, it's it's you know, I ask because. Um, I have tons of friends and I was talking to a, a you know, a, a good friend of mine over the weekend and I said, you know, how's a, he runs a creative studio and which includes, you know, developers, designers, UX, UI, whatever. And uh, I said, how, how's it going? Are you fully remote? Where's your team? He's like, well, you know, we have a New York office, but we're fully remote, but man, I need to, I just need to personally get out of the office. I need to see human beings. I need to, you know, feel like I can actually socialize and converse with people again uh outside of a, a zoom call or, or whatnot so yeah it's interesting to see what what's happening these days i really think um, it's preference right for introverts and extroverts right yeah yeah on on just curious because like on this office in office thing are you finding this is your emily you were saying it's a lot of developers right now in crypto that's a lot of the major hiring taking place but what about when you move into more executive level is are the executive uh, level hires also uh, wanting remote or is that a little bit of a shift you know that's an interesting question and it really just depends. It depends on the location of the executive, right? So we've got, you know, these incredible executives out of Oklahoma, right? But all the crypto hubs are in um, San Francisco, LA, um, New York, Austin, Texas, Miami. So we do have people that want to go into the office, but there's no crypto hub around them. You know what I mean? So a lot of executives are open to travel, which I really like and makes my job a little bit easier. Um, but I would say those in executive level leadership really enjoy coming into the office to manage their team, to be a part for team building and those reasons. Mm. Makes sense. Uh, okay, so I got to jump around a little bit. I'm curious. We saw such an interesting year in 2022, obviously a lot of layoffs, but we also saw in crypto some pretty amazing mass adoption. We saw Starbucks getting into the game, Nike expanding with Dot Swoosh. Some of the most epic Web3 expansion so far. So at this point, as, as like the top crypto recruiters, are you seeing more companies not even remotely in the crypto space as a part of your uh, clients? Or are you seeing still like mostly crypto, pure crypto plays, you know, the publications and what have you? Protocols. Yeah. And... So recently yeah, we've actually had an influx of Web2 of Web2 companies that are looking to go into Web3, which is like ridiculously exciting. Um, I love helping people, you know, develop within the space. So these Web2 companies, they are looking for, you know, Web3 native talent, but at the same time, they're willing to let people grow. Um, so we are seeing, a, you know, a ton of let's call them regular crypto companies, but we're also seeing web two brands coming into the space like Walt Disney, right? They're creating their own metaverse. I know several people on that team and it's a super exciting initiative. Mm. Um, 
there are different insurance companies that are getting into blockchain. So like I'm always looking on job boards for what's being posted. So this is something interesting. You can have job alerts set up on Google just for the word crypto and just for the word blockchain. So anytime a job gets posted that has that word in the description or in the title, you're going to get a notification about it. So, you know, Deloitte's getting into it. Prudential's getting into it. All of these companies are posting, you know, blockchain engineer, blockchain strategy. Mm. Uh, so it's been really interesting and we're excited to be working with some of these big brands. Now, do you see, do, Emily, do you see, um, and maybe you have a, a window into this, but are you seeing that they're starting their own in-house studios or they're hiring developers to support out, like projects? Are they actually taking all this into consideration? Like, yes, you've got a great Web3, you know, uh, Rust developer. Uh, if you're lucky, you got a unicorn. Um, but do they understand that there's care, feeding, marketing, and real management behind this, just like any other 2.0, you know, normal campaign or marketing or product initiative? I believe they want to. I believe they <laughs> want to support these people. Right. Um, I don't know that all the time they know exactly what they're getting into, but we are noticing a shift away from like dev shops and marketing agencies and then bringing these people in house, um, which is an interesting shift. Um, but I really do believe these companies are looking to hire people that are going to be a part of their culture. They're going to grow out this platform, not just, you know, sending it off to a dev shop. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, because you can be more focused if you're even a smaller uh, internal marketing team could be much more pointed and focused and kind of really live and breathe the brand opposed to, you know, shipping it out somewhere else. Yeah. Well, even if you are shipping it out, you probably want at least someone in-house, right? Just to kind of coordinate between the two. Yeah, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep, definitely. I, I, I got to ask because this is we've been talking about it nonstop. And I don't want to ring on it too much. But FTX, did this affect your world at all in crypto? Um, hiring, I should say. It did. It did. What I was really disappointed about was they were coming to Chicago and I really <laughs> want Chicago to be a crypto hub. Uh, so that was really disappointing. But yeah, I mean, it's thrown a loop, right? Um, trust has been broken. Uh, all you see are these really negative headlines in crypto. So, you know, less candidates are interested because they're worried about all the scammers, right? FTX was a huge name. I don't know. Did you ever get a fortune cookie with the FTX logo inside it? Because those were all over Chicago at all the Chinese restaurants. I remember I ordered in Chinese. I opened it up and I was like, are you kidding me right now? Mm. So they did a lot of their marketing in Chinese fortune cookies, which I thought was pretty cool. Did it have a fortune or just the FTX logo? It had a fortune on the back, but then mm. an FTX logo on the other side. Yeah. So it wow. was kind of interesting. We, um, we can guess what those fortunes were, Matt. Like, be careful what you invest in because it could come back to whatever. Uh, yeah, you can go, you can, you, you actually should get one of those, Emily. That would be a good skit for you. Like a good promo skit. Like, what do you I got now? I was thinking now? a blimp. Or a blimp. Yeah. Like a blimp in Chicago. We, I miss the blimps over the Cubs games, but, um, yeah, it's definitely thrown things through a loop. It's lost the trust of a lot of people and people are more hesitant, right? Yeah. You know, um, we've talked about obviously at nauseum, uh, FTX and S SBF and, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is a lot of new users were getting into it. Right. 
And it's a real, that's a real stinger to deal with when you're first getting into it, because maybe you don't come back at all. And that's important, that adoption. The only good thing that happened with this was there was huge groundswell and there was huge uh, interest, right? And that's the hard part. And then it was just abused, but um, that's the shame. And I, I'm hoping that the developer community, marketing, and other professionals that you're dealing with, Emily, is they're, they're, they're not going to shy away. Like, oh, God, I'm not going to work in an industry like that. But it's, it's really legit. It, it's just, it is. you know, FTX was not legit. crypto. It, it wasn't crypto. It was, it was phantom. It was Sam. Yeah. It wasn't crypto. It was Sam and all the other bad players in there. And, you know, that's really what I try to educate people on. There's always going to be a bad player, but that doesn't mean they run the industry. Yeah. Did you ever talk to Sam Backman Fried? Just curious. I mean, you know, like I have not. I am connected with him on LinkedIn. I have been for, you know, three years now, but um, I did know a lot of their executive leadership team and a lot of their employees. So it's been wonderful to get to know them, unfortunately, on these circumstances. But I mean, they had some really amazing people on their team. Mm. So they're out there on the hunt, I guess, right? Yeah, now, or at new places. Or they've already made a move. Absolutely. I think um, the second that all this started to go down, uh, people that were FTX were very smart and putting out feelers, um, you know, growing their network, meeting as many people as they could. So I think a lot of them are in good spots. They're interviewing, they're networking. Um, but a lot of the people that I knew are now in new positions and they um, resigned. Actually, they didn't just wait. They resigned. That's probably smart, I guess. In that uh, yeah, <laughs> it's probably the first thing I would do, but that's just me. Um, yeah, it's a it's a wacky world. It turned everyone on, on its head, and a lot of it's unfortunate. Like the all the sentiment and the optics, it's just unfortunate because everyone else, including yourselves, uh, on the rec recruitment side, has been pushing and educating and talking about this not for a couple of years, for many years, you know, and it and it dings everyone you know regardless if you had money in the in the exchange um but uh yeah so moving on you know what would you say the most like the top skill sets are for people wanting to enter maybe going from 2.0 to 3.0 enter the the web 3 universe and and how are they different from other other sectors it's hard for me to say because it really depends on the position, right? So if you want to go into a developing position, I would say React, Go, Solidity, JavaScript, C++. Um, if you want to go into product management, uh, completely different skill set, right? So I think the best thing that people can do is accurately represent the experience that they currently have while also giving people a really good idea about where they want to go like mm. what is the direction what is the next step for you and that's actually something you can outline in your summary in a resume right this is your career you get to navigate the direction of it mm. so um i think one of the important things is differentiating your resume from everybody else um, one way to do this is throughout your web 2 career get recommendations on your linkedin profile this really shows that you stand out. Not only does it show that you've done a good job, but it also validates that you worked at that company. Yeah. That's something that we're noticing is there's a lot of people that are saying they've worked at crypto.com, they've worked at these companies, and they haven't. It's a completely false resume. Wow. So I think recommendations are
are really important on a LinkedIn profile because it validates that you actually worked there. Mm. And I would imagine certain career paths would have more transferable uh, skills or tools, if you will, uh, than others. Like product development is, yeah, you, you kind of have to understand the engineering mindset plus the product and the marketing uh, mindset. But there's a lot of transferable tools. But to your point on the technology side, it's kind of night and day, you know? Yeah, but a ton of transferable skills. Yeah. It gets down to the future opportunities, right? Are you coachable? What knowledge do you already have, right? Can you, can you learn the ecosystem? And that's why I'm so big on certifications is just because it, it lets people know that you understand the space and you're eager about the space. So. Yeah, and that gets us to, I mean, we were, we were tapping on it before, where it's um, the difference, you know, attitude and aptitude, you know, um, those are big skills. I keep telling, you know, if, if I get a younger person wanting to join the ARC team <clears throat> and, uh, and they're up against someone who has two, three, four years more experience, but they're like a little bit of a, you know, fuddy-dud, you know, not so engaged, maybe don't have great team dynamics. Fuddy-dud. <laughs> you know, but, but maybe... Uh, it's like fuddy-dud to say fuddy-dud. I don't know. It, I'm not sure if that was a curse or not in a different language. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, then you've got a, maybe someone who's a bit more scrappier and like they do do a lot of desk research they're they're not intimidated they're they're not afraid to dig into to kind of understanding different areas in which they're working or technologies that they're working it's worth its weight in gold you know it is to me it is it is it's interesting that you brought that up that word scrappy every hiring manager that i speak with uses that word they want someone scrappy they want someone hungry um and a lot of the times that comes with, you know, we want someone young and then I'm like, that's discrimination, but you know, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for scrappy people that are willing to work on lean teams. And, you know, I think that's great, especially for someone that's less tenured. It gives them a lot of experience. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Emily, because, um, the idea of scrappy, that is what people are looking for. Teams are shrinking. And you have to do more with less, right? Um, and we've been having tons of conversations with other folks uh, in the industry and outside of the industry uh, and internally, like how do you maximize this, uh, everything? And, and, you know, part of the skill set too, Matt and I have been talking about this quite a bit, is the idea of understanding how to utilize AI tools, right? Because they're not going away they're not really replacing people just yet at least but who they will be replacing are people who don't use the tools right so understanding how you can use it tastefully not rip off you know the system or use it as a crutch um i think that's an important part, point too um that people are kind of dipping their toes into now starting to talk about but actually it's going to become a tool set that is going to be mandatory. I'm glad you brought up AI because I thought it was super funny that everybody that was preaching web three on LinkedIn is now preaching AI. You know what I mean? I thought that yeah. was really interesting. Yeah. That shift. 
Um, you know, I think AI is going to be an excellent tool for a lot of different businesses. The one thing that I don't like is I don't like knowing that a computer generated this blog post and there wasn't like that effort or that love put into it. You know what I mean? I don't like thinking about the fact that all the ads on LinkedIn are from a computer for yeah. lack of a better word. Yeah. You know, I'd ra I'm going to miss that personalization. I'm going to miss that thought of, oh, wow, you know, someone really wrote this beautifully, you know, and it's a computer wrote this now. So I think it takes that personal aspect away. I mean, especially on Twitter, right? There are so many AI tweet, um, tweet helpers. And I just think it's, it's impersonal. That's well, what I think about it. Yeah. I mean, well, Twitter is a whole, li literally LinkedIn is a little scary because sometimes, you know, and sometimes you don't to your point, uh, Twitter is just like, bot central and you know when when elon you know like it, it, not to go down this road but you know people are like well do you like twitter better now that elon's in well yeah i do because he got rid of a lot of the noise and the conversations feel a bit more authentic uh it, whether you're conversing within some of these twitter spaces that can be massive and actually wonderful um or you're, you know, a small brand trying to get your communications out there. Uh, I see a noticeable difference. And, you know, I dropped off of Twitter because it was kind of like a mess for a long, long time. It's still a lot. Yeah, I'm, I still shy off. <laughs> I shy away once in a while. Um, it's a necessary tool for us and certainly for you guys. But I agree. Um, you know, it just became rife with the same, same, different, different conversation. And, uh, uh, you know, hopefully we're cleaning up, but yeah, that's where AI could be problematic, you know, repetitive and, and noisy. Yep. Absolutely. And, and annoying, right? Like <laughs> all the automation tools. I have people all the time that are like, Emily, what, um, what mass messaging do you use on LinkedIn? And I said, an Excel sheet. So I literally, I have an Excel sheet yeah. of multiple of them, of various different people. And I just go down the list, right? If they fit into this category, they're on this very specific Excel file. So that way, when I have an opening, I know who to go down to, right? So that's my way of keeping things organized. We don't automate anything on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah, you use the same tactic, just an Excel sheet or how does, how does, how does it differ from each recruiter when you're working uh, with one? So we have a ats an applicant tracking system so all of our database is filled with these different linkedin profiles and these resumes but when it comes to like very specific things like c-level executives that may be interested in our service there i have an excel file so i'll follow up with them hey um once a month i go through this list it's five thousand names it takes me forever and i go through and i'll click on someone's profile i'll look at their company i'll see what's new and then i'll send them a message about it right so there's still that personalized touch um is it possible for me to upload these lists into a mass message kind of a thing absolutely but reputation is everything and if i start mass messaging people they're going to know about it. And that, that just doesn't make us look good. It makes us look like everybody else, which is exactly what we're trying not to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you know, with all this automation coming and AI and all that stuff, I think there'll be, you're right. It will get much noisier before it gets calmer. And the idea of, 
of of having like one you know peer to peer conversations opposed to peer to the entire network conversations is going to be increasingly more important especially for firms like yours um where it is about the human connection it is about you know personal and professional preference and guidance um it's going to be more and more important um you know within the river capital or arcs um holding company family we have a couple of recruitment companies ourselves and a lot they they've done really well with the kind of white glove service you know picking up the phone doing the 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 peer-to-peer you know conversations whether it be uh, via email, a newsletter, or, or not a newsletter, but uh, LinkedIn or whatever it may be, they found success. And I think that's going to just actually, pe- the smarter companies will catch on to what you guys are doing. So, I think keeping it personal is, is what's going to just differentiate ourselves. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, job hunting is a human experience. We all go through it. A human should be there to support you if that's the business that I'm promoting, which is support yeah it's it's very emotional too obviously you know so there's lots of lots of dynamics uh happening so now guys um you know i know how i would answer this but (laughs) definitely want to get your povs on this when someone is looking to kind of you know go 2.0 or edge into or maybe just fully develop their own internal products in 3.0 what are the first hires you would suggest within that world? For me, developer would be the first hire. Um, actually, you know what? A, a a technical leader would be my first hire. Someone that can actually be in the weeds and, and perform daily tasks, but also has the capability to create a strategic vision and is not just tunnel vision into doing all the coding, mm. right? So personally, I would hire those that have leadership qualities because they're gonna help you not just do it, but create the strategy around it. So I would say a technical leadership, a product leadership, mm. um, and then operational leadership. And then finance and accounting, very critical. Yeah, and you, and you can slot those in, either one of those, depending on what phase, you you know, how, how lofty your project is, for sure. But I definitely see uh, a product leader who understands uh, maybe a bit of systems architecture and, you know, the, the, what goes into the plumbing of a Web3 uh, application. So absolutely, yeah. And also just curious, uh, and Sarah, to expand on this point, is there a difference in terms of building your team? Like when you worked with Randstand, is there a difference in the broader tech space as opposed to what you're seeing in the crypto space? Um, it's very, I kind of see it like this. I compare it, right? Cause Randstad, great company, but you know, one of the largest HR uh, global leaders, but I see it like this. When you go to a doctor, right, you can go to general practice or you can go to someone who specializes. And that really is the difference. We specialize in Web3, right? So we know more about it. They're very knowledgeable, right? But who would you go to as the expert? And it really is preference. Um, You know, our larger HR global organizations um, involved in Web3, yes, they are, right? Which is great with that uh, Web3 adoption, but we specialize in it and that's the difference. Mm. 
Yeah, it's really uh, kind of like, I guess, the difference between going to like a, a really good pad thai place or a diner that has <laughs> everything on the menu. Exactly. You really want a good pad thai, not like one out of like 50 items. Which so. is not, not ripping on diners. I do like it. Which good is diner, a real problem. But, it is a real yeah. problem. <laughs> Come on. So, you know. Some of the things we, you know, a lot of, and I know you guys are totally aware of this. Like every time we talk to different protocols, dApps, applications, people developing for Web3, and you're trying to explain what these people do, right? Uh, what this product does. And it's like, what's the use case, right? So for you guys, it might be, okay, it's not an app, right? You're staffing a company to create products like apps. What would you say your some of your favorite hires were over say 2022? Favorite those, hires. Yeah. Um we made over a hundred, so give me a second. <laughs> um it's hard for me to tell you which hire is my favorite. I can tell you like which personality was my favorite. So we hired a CTO, and normally CTOs can be you know, a little bit more on the quieter side. And this woman was just like fantastic. Bubbly, understood the technology, was in the weeds, um, but just really had a great personality that brought developers together. She made it fun to work with. Um, we placed a blockchain security architect, which was kind of new at the time. Mm -hmm. So he went over to the different, um, let's call them data centers across the nation. They flew him around and, and he, I can't talk too much about what he did, but he did his <laughs> stuff. So that was really exciting. Um, you know what, honestly, one of the most exciting hires for me was actually an executive assistant. Um, I know that seems silly, but like she was such a critical asset to the CEO of the company and really took it to a whole new level. Um, we worked very closely with her because she was kind of managing all of the hires underneath the CEO, but they built out that company together to like a hundred person company at starting oh, at 35. Wow. Um, so she was fabulous, very more operational than executive assistant. But um, I got to say, by far, that CTO was just. Yeah, a good personality is always, always helps. You know, it's it, again, it's like enthusiasm. It's the energy you bring. Right. Awesome. So I guess, uh, you know, sort of as we wrap up, uh, I know you've got a lot of recruiting, both of you to go do. Um, <laughs> What, uh, let's say, let's divide, obviously, the biggest piece of advice for hiring managers and then biggest piece of advice for people hunting for a job. Yeah. Um, for hiring managers, give people an opportunity to prove themselves. Just because do someone doesn't have experience in the Web3 space doesn't mean they can't be an excellent employee. Um, hire based off passion, not just experience. So if someone's passionate about something like web three, passion is going to push them forward. So do they have all the skills that you may not need? No, but if it's someone that's a hard worker, they're absolutely going to look for them. And then as a candidate, um, be, what's the word I'm looking for? Be unique in your outreach, right? Don't just send in your resume, find the hiring manager, add them on Twitter, send them a DM. Mm. Hey, just send, send in my resume to your position. Wanted to throw it to you here, right? Be innovative when it comes to your reach out. Um, what I, the message that this sends is 
you will go above and beyond for this company, right? Because you're going above and beyond to find a job. You're being unique there, finding a unique solution. So when you work at the company, you're probably going to come up with other unique solutions. Mm. So everything in recruiting is all about appearance, right? What impression does your action give to the hiring manager? Does it give to the recruiter? Because appearance is reality, unfortunately. But it helps to know that. Yeah. And to Emily, to your point earlier, um, you had a little bit of a story where, you know, it's like, hey, you know, you find the company, go to their discord channel. Maybe you start helping out the community. Maybe you answer a few questions for them. Now you're working for them without even, you know, you're supporting them. Plus, to your point, you're showing them how modern marketing, modern communications work uh, and you're getting involved. So I think that's really sage uh, advice. Sarah. <laughs> I would love to share, you know, the two things that I really look for when talking to talent, right, is flexibility and adaptability. If you are flexible and you can do multiple things, you're going to do really well. Um, and then, you know, companies like Web3, we've got to adapt. It's changing every single day. There's something new coming out, right? So if you can adapt uh, quickly, uh, and shift gears quickly, you're going to do really well in the space. So that's the two key things I look for. Yeah, we, we see we see adaptability, uh, well, energy and adaptability and all this stuff actually pick up more steam and speed as time goes on, especially I would say that's the uh, the post the billboard for 2023, which is understand that there are throw away your waterfall techniques and processes it just doesn't work uh you you actually have to do real-time problem solving uh and i think that's a that's a big big plus and a big seller and it's almost a a prerequisite at this point yeah i gotta jump to another call we got so yes. many people to help it was <laughs> sorry so wonderful to be here with you guys oh. Yeah, thank you Emily, so much thank for you so us. much. Um, we are definitely we'll going to look it. for more opportunities for Sarah and yourself to be on. You're always helpful educating our, our, our listeners and ourselves. So thank you very much. And we'll talk to you soon.